A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maven, concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights are probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 444. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are continuing our discussion about Skellig. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. We are looking at the 2009 TV film from Sky Television, it's about 100 minutes long, and it stars Tim Roth, Kelly MacDonald, John Sim, and Bill Milner. It's an adaptation of a children's book, a strange tale about a couple of children coming across a strange person or strange creature, maybe, in a derelict shed and building a relationship and a friendship there. And I should mention it's also known as Skellig the Owl Man in the US. Indeed. And one I was looking forward to watching because of my experience with the book. So uh, interesting one for us to chat about, Brian. Oh yeah, for sure. So a quick recap. Michael is sort of befriending this unusual, rather grumpy and difficult homeless man who he finds in the ruined shed at the bottom of his garden. His Michael's parents, as we know, distracted with anxiety about their new baby's illness and the need for frequent hospital visits. Mom's there all the time. Dad is going backwards and forwards, trying to get the house ready, trying to keep an eye on things, trying to do his job. He's got a lot on his plate. And of course, they don't know about Skellig in the shed and about the fact that Michael is bringing this character food and beer and aspirin for what is described in the book and the, the film as arthritis, these painful deformities he seems to have of his hands. Lots going on for Michael. Yes, and we do have this popular trope of children's books and children's television where the children know about something strange and unusual that's happening, but no one else does. And particularly the parents don't know and are curious and suspicious about what's happening with the child. So after Michael and Mina move Skellig out into the woods, they start to learn more about him and about not only these odd deformities or strange shape to him, but Skellig's strange abilities and the unusual things that he can do. So it's time for us to get into a little bit more about actually who or what is Skellig. It is, again, as I've mentioned before, it's time for some spoilers, Brian, as we get a bit more into this. Yeah, absolutely. So he has a slightly strange bone structure to his face and seems sort of hunched over with deformed hands, maybe by arthritis, maybe something else, and just has this very odd look to him. And of course, he's got this very strange diet. He seems to be surviving on a variety of insects, bugs and worms that he's eating in the shed. But he prefers to eat Chinese food from the local takeaway if Michael can get it for him, uh, particularly his favourites, which are referred to by the numbers of 23 
in 52. And, of course, he likes a drink of brown ale, beer, food and drink which he refers to as the food of the gods or sweet nectar, which may be a bit of a giveaway. But, of course, even more of a giveaway is when Michael and Mina have to move Skellig from the shed to a safer place to perhaps keep him. And it's during this that we get the big reveal about these bumps on his back. I've just noticed, Brian, that, of course, that reveal is spoiled on the front cover of the DVD in classic DVD fashion. Of course it is. Of course it is. Because we see that Tim Roth's character has got some sort of rudimentary, rather tatty wings upon his back. That's what these strange bumps are. Wings that seem to be recovering, I would say, Brian. They grow in as the story goes on. It does Um, seem that way. Yes. But despite the sort of raggedy nature of his wings, Skelly can fly, we find out. Or in fact, he can levitate and levitate Michael and Mina as well. This is where we get into the magical and supernatural aspect of the story. Yes, he seems to be able to heal injuries and medical issues of different types. And yeah, these wings, and we see them unfurled. They're big. They're quite big. And there's this idea that he might be related to owls somehow, or might even be some type of fallen angel. And it's never clearly answered in either the book or the film exactly who and what Skellig is. These questions are left open, but it does leave Michael to think that maybe Skellig can help to heal his baby sister and even in a broader sense help to heal the breaks within his family that are in many cases related to the baby sister's medical issues. Because I'd forgotten that Michael, there's a fire basically in the shed. The father sets fire to the shed and that's when Michael and Mina have to move Skellig and in the process Michael gets burned but Skellig heals him heals the burn on Michael's hand and that's what gives Michael particularly the idea that Skellig might be able to do more than just heal a a burnt finger as it were I don't understand why Dave Michael's father chose to burn the shed that seemed like a rather odd way to dispose of it when it's so close to the house and in the middle of the night as well (laughs) that's right yeah there is the stuff particularly early on in this in both the book and the film is this amina is interested in owls i can't remember if he actually made it to the film version i know in the t in the book version they find what she thinks are owl pellets in the shed with uh, Skellig, probably as a result of his strange diet. There's a lot of owl stuff, and of course that is reflected in the title they gave it for the US release of this, Brian. Yes, that's right. So I think it's time to get into some of our own thoughts and feelings about this, more than we already have. So, Eamon, what did you like about Skellig? Well, shall I start with the cast, Brian, and say that this is another spectacular cast for us here on British Invaders. I mean, Tim Roth, John Sim, Kelly MacDonald, even young Bill Milner. These are are great people, uh, great actors, and I think they give this story 
a real sort of punch um, and pizzazz. Um, even with John Sim and Kelly McDonald being in this sort of fairly, for them, ordinary role of struggling parents, I thought they were all great, Brian. What about you? I would agree with that. The cast is very strong. Not only are they well-known people, they're well cast to the roles. And I think they help to bring this up to be a more interesting production than it would be otherwise. I will also say that it looks great. The area they're in with the the shed and the village and the old house, all of that looks good and it's well used. But the makeup and the visual effects for Skellig are particularly good. And when we do get to the wings being unfurled and the flying and so on, it all looks very good and helps to add something to this quite a bit. Yes, the time that Tim Roth spent in the makeup chair and of course the talents of the makeup artists was well spent and you know he looks otherworldly and strange and then when he does get to stand up and unfurl the rather raggedy wings in effects that we know are sort of done with puppeteers and green screens some of it done by tim roth himself but some of it being done by sort of green morph suit clad puppeteers i think that's all great stuff and very well done and I couldn't even notice really that it was sort of green screen work. It's done so well. Yeah, the lighting was quite well matched and that helps to make that work. It gave us the transition of Skellig being this very sort of weak, decrepit character to this much more powerful character with the wings unfurled, but still having those weaknesses as well. That was quite well, well accomplished with that yeah it was very well done um the writing of this i'm going to say brian that this is very faithful to the book that irena brignall's adaptation has stuck very closely to the story i could see very few differences what did you think about the writing yeah so the writing was a bit of a mixed bag for me i have not read the book and it was interesting it was not particularly flawed but it didn't hold my attention as well as I wanted it to and it was not as compelling as I'd like it to be it gave you the sense of things being strange but it took a little bit too long for us to get to some of the more interesting things and once we get to the wings being unfurled it was it was holding my attention but the earlier part I wanted something more interesting to grab onto there yes now it's interesting and I was reading some of the reviews and some people did wish that Irina Brignall had changed things up a bit, introduced a bit more to the story because the early on stuff of Michael sort of struggling with his life in his new home and then making this strange friendship can, you know, I think it read very well in the book, but it can seem a little bit strange and dull for early on in this film. Things don't really start to happen until the fire and then we get the full reveal of, sort of what sort of character Skellig is. Yeah, those types 
types of things that they had earlier in it are things that can be done very well in a book where you can get a lot of character buildup and internal monologue and so on. And I think this was one of the cases where they did need to do a little more and introduce something else into the earlier parts to build some momentum and to make things a little bit more interesting before we get to that point. So I want to ask you about the medical aspects of this, Dr. Amon, because we do see a hospital quite a bit. We have a premature birth. We have the care and the medical problems that happen after this premature birth. We also have, you know, the interaction with an elderly patient. So how did this strike you? I think that stuff is all done pretty well, actually. You know, it looked like uh, Kelly MacDonald was realistically pregnant and then going into a rather painful early labour. The the baby in the special care unit with the various sort of wires and tube attachments and so on, I think was well done. I think there's a slight problem, of course, that the baby looks entirely healthy and doing very well because it would be difficult, I think, to recreate a sickly baby in that situation. But yeah, I thought all the medical stuff was extremely well done. I thought Grace on her walking frame in the corridors of the hospital, trying to get herself up and mobilised after she's had whatever she's had done. I thought that was good as well. And Edna Dore is a nice turn as the wise old head that Michael speaks to from time to time. Interestingly, the doctors in the book, there are more characters in the book who have conversations with the family and Michael. There's a family doctor that Michael does doesn't get on with and I, they're not really in the film version but yeah i thought the medicine stuff was okay brian actually oh that's interesting yeah i know there's always a problem with babies on screen because very young you know newborns and certainly babies that are not doing well don't do very well with a filming situation with uh, the lights and the schedules and everything. It's considered unethical to use babies that are too young. So that's something that often shows up. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I just want to mention a film that it reminded me of, Brian, which is the British film Whistle Down the Wind, which has, I don't, I don't know if you know this film, it's from the early 1960s. Alan Bates in his, I think his first screen role, the young Hayley Mill, as a child who discovers a homeless man living in the barn but believes he is Jesus reminded me a little bit of that with the uh, you know Michael finding the strange man in the shed oh that's interesting oh, the bits that didn't work quite so well for you Brian yeah so the big thing was that it felt a little bit slight and as I said wasn't compelling and holding my attention well enough especially in the earlier parts of it I think once we got to the later section after the fire, that stuff was really solid, but it needed something more earlier on. And that was the major weakness for me. And I wonder if maybe including some of the things with the doctors you were describing or including something new, it needed something other than there's this odd homeless man and we don't know what's going on with them. It needed a little bit more more interest to that plot line 
line or to the characters, I felt. So yeah, that's the only thing really that comes up for me. There's a sort of balancing act in that the later stuff where Skellig reveals the wings and then starts to do the magic and the flying and you know, it all comes together. It all seems to happen quite quickly towards the end of this film, whereas there's an awful lot of stuff to get to that point beforehand, a lot of sort of domestic family drama, it seems. So, you know, maybe they needed some more of the oomph earlier on in the film. I think in the book it works terrifically, particularly as a read-along book for, you know, a, a young family. But, yeah, it's interesting how the balance works when you put it on screen. Yes, and this comes to, there is often a desire to make adaptations, particularly film and TV adaptations, as faithful to the source material as possible. And when you're adapting a book, that is not always the best choice, because sometimes you end up with something that is just less interesting than you want it to be when you make that transition to a different medium, or it can become a little bit confusing and not as well explained there wasn't a big issue with that in this one but this and this may be a bit controversial i felt it was a little bit too faithful to the source material i think you could be right brian i think it's always very tricky when you're adapting a much-loved book you know we don't know what the answer is necessarily but sometimes we recognize it when we see it as it were yeah they might have been a bit too faithful to the text here and maybe they could have changed things up a little bit which is as as we've said is what some of the reviewers said but that's that's a, just a niggle on my part you know uh, there's a lot to like about this production okay so shall we go to our recommendations i think we should why don't you start us off this time brian okay i am not going to to recommend this just because I couldn't get into it. I thought it was okay. It had nothing particularly wrong with it. You know, we've discussed more uh, more about that, but I just didn't find it interesting enough, particularly in the early parts, and what was there later on was never quite enough to grab me once we were to that point. So, it's pretty good, but I would be looking to to other things, so I'm not going to recommend it. Okay. Well, I'm going to recommend the book um, because, as I say, I had a splendid time reading it to my kids. If we'd had Sky in 2009, I guess we would have been all over this adaptation, but we didn't. So this was the first time I'd actually had a chance to see it. If it was available on streaming here, it would be a solid gold recommendation for me. It's a DVD. It's, you know, you've got to make some investment into getting it. So it's only a cautious thumbs up because of that. But like I say, Brian, I really love the book and that's readily available and well worth getting. So a bit of a thumbs down from yours. My thumb is sort of cautiously on the upside. But as ever, if people have seen this adaptation, particularly if they've read it and, you know, read the book and can compare, please come and come by the social media and let us know what you thought. Absolutely. So, in summary, Skellig introduced us to young Michael and his family. They had just moved to this small village or town where they bought this old house that needs to be renovated, hopefully in time for Michael's younger sister to be born. But in fact, she is born prematurely and they are running into issues with her health. Oh, 
and also with having the work on the house that they're doing ready in time while Michael has discovered this strange homeless man Skellig in a shed and he is talking to him and brings his new friend Mina in on it where they are building a relationship with Skellig who turns out to be very strange indeed and having these strange powers and having wings and the ability to fly fascinating stuff let us know what you think absolutely and please come back and join us next time we are making our yearly trip to the small films productions of oliver postgate and peter Furman. and this time we are looking at noggin the nog sometimes known as the saga of noggin the nog which ran on the bbc originally from 1959 to 1965 and then returned in 1982 and lots to talk about next time brian oh yes for sure always interesting to get into the small film stuff until then you can listen to all of our past episodes on britishinvaders.com you can also search for us on facebook and find our group there and get some of the the latest updates that way and join the conversations and we are also on threads and instagram on those we are at british underscore invaders underscore podcast yes come and give us a follow there and get the regular updates from us and join us as part of the voice of geeks which you will find at vognetwork.com british invaders is there as one of their podcasts but there's also lots of gaming content and other stuff going on go and have a look at vognetwork.com and check it out absolutely so thank you for listening and this is brian from canada signing off yes until next time amen in england saying thank you and also signing off